Greet all of you in Jesus' precious name, the great physician, that we again are privileged to worship. Really enjoyed the singing. I like it when there are a lot of voices bringing praise to the Lord. We bring you greetings from Country View Chapel in uh, Wilmot, Ohio, and uh, enjoyed the time that we've spent with you already. Looking forward to today. I invite your attention to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 for beginning scripture. I appreciated what Brother Leon shared because that's basically where I start to on this subject is that we need to be discerning. We need to prove all things. We need to understand what is right and what is wrong. I know it's a little bit different to have a subject on alternative medicine, a Sunday morning service, but I guess um, it'll fit here too because it's important in our everyday living. It's a practical message. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 21 through 24 say, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. In this area of health care, there are a lot of different things coming at you, which you probably realize if you've had any kind of health problems. When you have some kind of a sickness, usually all kinds of people have advice for you um, how to, how to uh, improve the situation. <clears throat> I deal with it every working day since I work in an office, as Brother Leon mentioned. <clears throat> Many people have tried a lot of things before they come to see the doctor. Um, and then after they see the doctor, they still go and try other things many times. <clears throat> And some things are good and some things not so good. So this morning we want to look at some principles and try to understand how to decide what is right and what is wrong. We want to check it out according to biblical principles. The Bible here even says to abstain from all appearance of evil. You know, that's a pretty high standard that uh, we as Christians need to attain to, to uh, be careful in, in things that we're making decisions about. Turn your Bibles now to Galatians 5, 19 through 21. I've entitled this uh, message, Dangers of Alternative Medicine, because I really don't have time to talk to you about all the, the good kinds of alternative medicine, which there is. There's nutritional therapies and treatments and things that can be fine. Uh, but we're not going to dwell on those today because of uh, time, and, and we're going to point out the dangers. <clears throat> and here's some dangers. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21 say, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. Some of these things that we get involved in have to do with witchcraft. Hatred, variance, emulations, strath, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, and as I have told you in the time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I look at this scripture to point out how serious it is if we're involved in witchcraft. What is your end? It's in black and white, isn't it? Very clear. We dare not be involved in anything that has to do with witchcraft. Unfortunately, it seems that many plain people, as we call ourselves, seem to be somewhat gullible or ready to pick up on some of these things that come along. Uh, there's always the latest 
raid, should we say, the latest best thing, the latest cure-all that comes to the community where I live in. Uh, I live close to Holmes County. I live in Wayne County. But it, uh, there's always something, it seems like, the latest cure-all, and we tend to jump into these things or accept these things without really checking them out. Some are fine and some are not so fine. Some might go to an alternative uh, practitioner of medicine because it's cheaper. You know, they don't have to pay as much money, and I, I agree that medical care is very expensive. Sometimes it's pretty outrageous, actually. But we have to always stop and think, what is this person practicing? Are they doing things that are damaging our soul, our spirit? Uh, are they doing more than just doing something for our bodies, our physical body? Because if it's damaging our soul, our spirit, then it's not cheaper. It's much more expensive because really our souls, our, our relationship with God is the most important thing. It's not whether we have perfect health or not. That is secondary in God's eyes. 1 Corinthians 10.21 says, Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. I know this isn't talking about alternative medicine, but again, we're just looking at principles from the scripture. Uh, we can't be drinking from two different fountains and expect that God's going to bless us. Uh, we, we need to only obtain those things that are blessed by God, or we can have spiritual damage. In fact, the first thing I think we should do is go to the great physician. That's, I trust you do. When you get sick, do you pray? Do you ask God to heal you? Uh, that's what we should do, number one. And many times he will respond to our prayers, and he will, he will uh, heal us. Uh, I think we should be thinking about, if we have a major illness of some kind, we should be thinking about asking for an anointing. The Bible is clear, James 5, that uh, if anyone is sick, let him call for the elders and, and request an anointing. I think uh, that can be a blessing in many, many uh, situations. <clears throat> I've been very blessed when uh, we've uh, done that uh, with uh, members in our congregation. <clears throat> and I think we should take more advantage of, of this provision, this ordinance that is in the Bible for us. Let's also remember that man does not do any healing. Man does not make you better. Uh, he can do things to facilitate your body to heal itself, to, to, for God to do the healing. God created us in a way that we, we, you know, you cut yourself and right away the, the blood cells, white cells and so forth rush to that area, the plasma and everything, and, and try and heal up that wound. Well, stop the bleeding, first of all. It's amazing how it works, isn't it? The body wants to heal itself. Uh, man can take out your, your uh, diseased appendix or diseased tonsils and but then your body has to heal it up. You know, he, he really hasn't healed you. So let's always remember that God is the one that does the healing. And let's be careful that we allow him to do his work. I realize that this is be a very controversial subject. I've heard of all kinds of things. When I talk about this subject, I can usually expect uh, people to have all kinds of thoughts, and that's fine. Um, everybody can, can learn from each other, I believe. <clears throat> I'm going to look now at some, I'm going to have to keep moving right along because of time, of course. Um, and I have things up here on the overhead to help us to stay together and understand a little bit what we're talking about. I'm going to talk about terms here for a few minutes. <clears throat> what are some of the terms so we know what we're talking about? Well, there's allopathic medicine, which would be medicine practiced by your medical doctor that you go to uh, as, as a... Uh, 
for routine things. You go there for your, your diabetes or your high blood pressure, your uh, pneumonia or whatever it might be, <clears throat> uh, that doctor would be considered practicing allopathic medicine, just the conventional medicine that you're used to. All right, alternative medicine is then medical practices that are outside of that conventional medicine, you know, different than allopathic medicine. Again, some are of benefit and some are not of benefit or some are questionable. Some are um, not just questionable, they're outright wrong. <clears throat> some of the things that I would class as wrong that we not to, do not want to be involved with uh, would be things like acupuncture, uh, homeopathy, iridology, uh, some of the bodywork therapies, and I'm not specifying them right now, applied kinesiology, I'm just throwing these names out, we'll get to some of them again, some of the nutritional therapies, <clears throat> uh, those kind of things that we need to be careful about, and I'll be pointing that out. And then you have integrative medicine, which, of course, when something isn't quite true blue or you're not sure is this okay, well, you start trying to compromise and put the two together. So integrative is trying to put the allopathic and alternative medicines together. And you see, if you are aware of what's going on in your hospitals around you, at least in our area, um, hospitals start uh, offering some of the alternative medicines, alternative medical practices, and then call it integrative medicine. You're integrating the two together. And um, so we have to be careful. We have to guard against this, this happening. Uh, you know, I know in our area there's, there's some that uh, would practice uh, therapeutic touch, which maybe you don't know what that is, but it's, it's quite a misnomer in my opinion because you just hold your hands on each side of the person's head. You don't touch them, but it's called therapeutic touch, and that is to do some healing. I know it sounds strange, but hey, that's what they do. That's not of the Lord, by the way, as you can understand. <clears throat> and then the next one we want to talk about for a minute is holistic healing. Holistic healing. Holistic health is, you might say, a banner under which um, new age or new consciousness is making its move into the health arena. Okay, you've probably heard of the New Age. A lot of times we hear the, hear the words and we don't know what they mean exactly. Uh, let me tell you a little bit what New Age thinking is. It's a new consciousness, a loose putting together of various elements of mysticism, occultism, spiritism, and animism. Now, I can't ex take time to explain what each of those terms are, but I, occultism, you should understand that. That's occultic or things of, of, of the devil. Okay. And mysticism would be in that same realm. Spiritism is not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about the spirits of this world. So that just gives you a little idea. It's combined with the experiences of those who have experienced altered states of consciousness. This new conscious, consciousness represents a sort of supernatural psychic humanism. You've heard of humanism, perhaps. I know I'm throwing a lot of things at you, which... They strive to bring about a radical way of thinking in society at large. They're trying to change the whole society, and they're doing it, by the way. It's happening. It's influencing us, whether we would like to admit it or not. It's happening. So it's like the age of enlightenment, the age of Aquarius. That is uh, holistic healing. And holistic healing 
That's the basis of holistic healing. Holistic healing has to do with healing of the body, mind, and spirit. The three different aspects of man, okay? Not just your body. When I go to the doctor, I usually would want him to heal my body in some way or another. Uh, and you might go there for an emotional need. <clears throat> but I don't go to my family doctor. Actually, I don't have a family doctor, but to the uh, doctor that I might go to. Uh, I try to treat myself, you know. But uh, I don't go there for spiritual help. You know, you should be going to your pastor, to a brother that is a strong Christian for your spiritual help, something like that, or a sister. So when you hear about this holistic healing, body, mind, and spirit, that should put up a red flag in our minds. That's what it does to me when you hear of that. Um, It does help if you have a Christian doctor that you can go to that because they're related. There can be sometimes... You can, have a spirit, you can have an emotional problem because you're into some sin of some kind, and you can get ulcers because you're worried and you're under stress and, and all that. So it can be connected. That's true. But let's go to a godly person to get our spiritual help, not to an ungodly person. Okay? Because our bodies are physical. They're temporary. When they die, they return to dust. And... Um, it's not so important if the doctor that takes out your appendix or your tonsils or something is a Christian because he can, you know, he has the knowledge to do it. But it's a different story if they're trying to heal your spirit through this. And I'll point out how some of these things uh, play into this. I'll give you a few quotes. I have lots of them, but I'm going to just give you some. There's a holistic doctor named Morton Walker. He wrote a book called Total Health, and this is what he says. Distorted thinking is one thing that makes people sick. Sickness most often comes from a sense of sin or guilt. Some people think they need to be punished for their sin, and getting sick is one way to punish themselves. He calls this sense of guilt or sin making unreal thoughts real. That doesn't ring true with me. He says, the remedy for that is to alter those erroneous perceptions. Just change the way of thinking. And we know that's not right. That's not how you take care of sin. We had a lesson on faith this morning. And you know that it takes faith in God. It takes the blood of Jesus to wash away our sins. Not just changing the way we think. And Walker says further, quote, Doctors who apply holistic health concepts direct their patients to the means to shed stress and tension. Techniques of mind development, visualization, uncovering of the unconscious, and positive thinking all come into play to reverse thought distortion. I know you don't understand, and I don't totally understand, what do they mean by visualization? Well, it's not just being able to see you like I am right now. It's, it's to see things that are spiritual, you know, that are in the mystical, occultic, those kind of things. And uncovering the unconscious, I think these are things that we need to be very careful about as Christians, so we don't get involved into these things. He names uh, seven different techniques, Walker, including biofeedback and hypnotherapy, or hypnosis. Probably most of you have heard of hypnosis. That's where someone can put you into a trance-like state where you don't know what you're doing anymore, but you'll do the things that they suggest that you do. And to me, that is not for us as Christians to allow somebody to do that to us. Uh, that's that's in dangerous, dangerous ground, I would say. And 
Let's look at another term, occult, which I've already mentioned. That would mean things that are magic, mystical, um, astrology. Uh, it's, it's the alleged sciences claiming use or knowledge of a secret myst mysterious or supernatural agency. It's, it's using power from the prince of the power of the air is, is maybe an easy way to say it. So whenever you hear the word magic, and we're going to be involved in that, that should put up a red flag, occultic. And witchcraft, again, is sorcery, <clears throat> um, magic. A witch doctor would attempt to cure illnesses by expelling or exercising evil spirits by the use of magic. That's what's involved there. And unfortunately, some of these alternative medical techniques, treatments, and so forth involve this kind of thing. They may not say it in that many words, you know, not that plain. They'd, they, they might sneak it in. But that's why it's serious, because remember, those that, involve, that, that are, practice these things don't go to heaven. They go to hell. Okay. We're going to look now at alternatives to avoid. And the thing that I've noticed in studying this, maybe I'll take the minute right now to, to talk about that. There's, there are a lot of books about this, actually. Uh, one that I probably started with and, and, and derived the most information for, with from is called On Alternative Medicine by Rodney uh, Mast. <clears throat> Uh, put out by Lamp and Light. So that's a little book that would be good for you to have. There's another one called New Age Medicine by Reeser, Reeser and Weldon. It's some doctors that wrote this book uh, concerning, of course, New Age and the effect that has on, on medicine. And there's another one called Eyes Open to Satan's Subtlety by Emil Kramer. He's a French uh, Christian that is very straightforward and, and tells it just like it is in kind of a, a little different language. It's translated, I think, from French to English. Um, but I have some information that I've gained from that book. <clears throat> that one's hard to get. It's, not a, it's out of print. There's another book, a little booklet called A Closer Look by um, Lester Burkholder from Pennsylvania. Weaverland Publications. It's just a small booklet, but it kind of makes a good point, I think. And this one is not... Okay, the high cost of holistic healing is actually the talk that I'm giving you today, part of it. And I, do, I did bring some of these, about 20 of these books along. I know it's not near enough for all of you. Maybe some of you have it already. <clears throat> but uh, I'm going to put those in the back so you can help yourself to these as long as they last because it gives a much more complete picture of what I'm talking to you about today. All right. And, of course, I've listened to tapes and talked to people and had experiences and so forth. <clears throat> now... A thing I notice among those alternatives to avoid, almost always, is that there's a common denominator, common denominator uh, concerning a special energy. <clears throat> and this energy might be called many different things. It can be called universal energy, life energy, life force, vital energy, vital force, magnetic energy, energy electricity, bioenergy, healing force, 
And then there's the oriental names that we're not so used, but we might have heard of them as like chi, C-H-I, chi, or prana, P-R-A-N-A. Those are different uh, names that they might use for this energy. Um, Do these world beliefs about energy agree with the Bible? Well, I would say no. Uh, Most of the times not. There's an example of a spiritual energy that is not from God that the Chinese speak of. You're saying, well, the Chinese. Well, the Chinese are influencing us a lot, by the way, in the United States. They say that there's this energy, Chinese therapists say this energy consists of two opposing forces called yin and yang. They say yang created heaven and yin created earth. Okay? We know that's wrong because yin or yang didn't do either. It's God that created them. And they say that yin and yang are two opposing forces that perfectly harmonize and work together to create all phenomena. Now we know that in the Bible it talks about two opposing forces, God and Satan. Uh, And uh, yes, there's lots of phenomena that that come from that. But they do not harmonize, they do not work together, and so forth. And God created everything. Satan didn't create anything. Galatians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 6.15 says... And what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? There's none. They don't, they don't uh, work together. Holistic healers say that man has control over his destiny through his mind channeling this healing energy. That's this new age thinking. It's that humanistic thinking is that man can heal himself. He can lift himself up by his own bootstraps. You ever tried that? Can you lift your feet off the... You know, just by pulling on your shoes, can you lift yourself up? No. Well, the Bible says that God controls our destiny, not man. James 4.15 says, For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live or do this or that. You know, we can make plans, but God can change them for us concerning our health or whatever. And the hand healers say that this spiritual energy can be channeled through a person's hands to heal the sick. They say a person of any religion can develop this ability to do that healing. Does that raise any red flags? It does to me. The Bible, what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says that they, no, it says in Acts 5.32, God gives the Holy Ghost to those who obey him. So if, if you have the spiritual gift of healing, it had to come from the Holy Ghost, not from any other place if you have that true gift. And yet they're saying that this gift can be given, or this ability can be, any person of any religion can learn how to do this. Well, that tells me one thing. That tells me they're getting the power to do this from a source other than God. And what other source of power is there? We know. Two main sources, right, in this world. So that's why we should be shying away from therapies that would claim this kind of of, uh, power. We should avoid those. What are some questions? Maybe this would... we can't talk about all the different therapies. There's you know, a list a mile long, you might say. We can just talk about several. But there's questions you can ask about any of these that will help you to make judgment. Questions to ask if, uh, it, that it would be safe if the answer yes. Okay, one question is, is it consistent with the Bible? Does this particular treatment and how they do it, does it line up with some of these, these verses that I've already read, some of these principles that, that we've talked about? Uh, I know the Bible doesn't say, thou shalt not use acupuncture, but 
It also says that we're not to be involved in, cult, in occultism, right? So you can make application. All right. And does it harmonize with what, the, what God says about health and healing? Uh, Jesus was the greatest healer of all time. He healed all kinds of diseases, as you know. The Bible is clear on that. He raised people from the dead even. And uh, uh, there's lots of teaching about health and healing, even in the Gospels, because Jesus did that. <clears throat> so does it harmonize with what Jesus did? Number three, you might ask, uh, is it scientific? Now, this is maybe not, uh, that doesn't make things right or wrong, but it can be a supporting criterion to this idea, is this right? Because if it makes sense uh, in a uh, physiological way, meaning that that's how our bodies work and, you know, the way God has created us, then uh, that can support the idea that this is right. And so that's one thing I look at because, of course, I'm interested in knowing how things work, and probably you are too. Um, so if it makes sense scientifically, one thing would, if, can you keep reproducing the same result with this treatment? Uh, when uh, they discovered penicillin and they realized that this would eradicate strep infection, you know, it kept working until there became uh, bacteria that got resistant to it, unfortunately. But they could tell that this was a scientific discovery because it could be reproduced over and over and over. And it, and it uh, made sense. They could, under, they could understand why this worked. Now, I know we don't understand how everything works with the body. We'll never get to that point. But usually there's at least some understanding so that there is, there is some, uh, we, we can reason that this is why it works. And number four, is it an act of faith in God? Is it an act of faith in God? Again, I have no problem with calling for an anointing if you have a serious illness. I think if we use a, a bit what uh, Jesus did as, as a guide, uh, serious illnesses is when you would call for an anointing. You don't call for anointing if it's, you know, a cold or something like that. Your bishop, Leon, he would be running from house to house every day to try and keep up with that. But... Uh, you know, when there's something that's life-threatening or a, a very serious type illness, cancer, etc., uh, I think it's good to ask God to heal and according to his will. Okay, so those are some questions that would tell us it's probably safe if answered yes. Now I have a list of questions to ask if, it's, if you say yes, then it's not safe to be avoided if yes. And the first one, is it mystical with no credit being given to God? <clears throat> now, the classic is a person goes to a, uh, let's say, just a practitioner of alternative medicine. I won't identify the kind necessarily at this point. And, but he's a Christian. You know, he talks about God and, and he, uh, yeah, I know he does these strange things. He maybe has to go into the other room and put his hands in the sand and things like that so that I can get better. And that seems a little weird, but, you know, he, he, uh, he claims to be a Christian. And so it must be good. Well, <clears throat> anybody can claim to be a Christian. And that doesn't necessarily make the things they do right. We know that. <clears throat> and if, I think this is a good way for some of these practitioners to get into the plain community. You know, they know how to work with the people. 
you know, make it seem like this person is, is, is a Christian. Well, okay, so it's kind of mystical, but no credit being given to God. Uh, does my spirit have cautions? And here I have an example, or I'm thinking of an example of a driver. Like I said, we, or maybe I didn't tell you this morning. Uh, I take care of 75% of my patients are Amish, and so most of them, you know, drive horse and buggy, and so they need to get drivers to take them to where they want to go if it's too far for the buggy or if they're sick. And so a driver took this person or persons to a place where they do alternative medicine. But the driver said, it's, the driver is Christian, and, you know, they just felt strange. You know, it just didn't feel right to be in the parking lot. They didn't even go into the building. But to be in the parking lot, they couldn't even feel right. You know, their spirit just didn't seem to feel right. <clears throat> well, they found out more about what goes on there, and they said they're not going to take anybody to that place anymore, which I agree, I wouldn't either. So if you are in tune with God, <clears throat> you're in, you're, you're, the Holy Spirit and your spirit are meshing together, I think some of these dark things are going to be revealed to you. Uh, I did go into a place like that with a Amish bishop that was trying to help straighten out one of these practitioners of alternative medicine who happened to be one of his members and it was it wasn't not only spiritually dark it was physically dark I had this little tiny tiny lamp so that I could barely read the bible as I was trying to talk to him and was I glad to get out of there because it just seemed evil in there. All right, are powers of darkness involved? I guess we're already talking about that. <clears throat> um, does it involve? Does it involve entering an altered state of consciousness? I did mention that a bit. You're talking about hypnosis, or uncovering the unconscious, or putting into an altered state of conscious, consciousness so that you're under somebody else's power. Is that happening? Is there a mysterious energy being passed? And that energy we talked about would be um, the kind of thing that they do in uh, reflexology when they hold your feet, or um, there's some other kinds of things too, Reiki treatments and so forth, that they're talking about this energy being passed from the practitioner to the, to the person. If that's happening, that should be a big red flag, and if you have to Energy has to be blocked or balanced, like in acupuncture. Uh, that also should raise red flags. So that uh, you, you, you would realize that there's something wrong here. Okay, and then I have two more questions concerning that. If you're writing this down, I know I'm going a little fast because the time keeps moving along. Is it based on New Age philosophies, which I've already mentioned before? that man can heal himself and so on. And then is it, does it promote the view that the body is the total healer, the holistic healing? Which I referred to before. The total healer, body, mind, and spirit. Remember, God is the one that does the healing, not man. All right. Let's look now at some specific therapies that we should be avoiding. 
and I've mentioned them already, acupuncture, acupressure. Acupuncture, for those that may not know, is when they take needles and they stick them into acupuncture points on your body someplace to try to block or unblock the energy that is flowing from the universe into your body in one point and going out another. Okay? And um, <clears throat> they, 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 it would be chi. They would usually refer to this energy as chi, C-H-I, and it, can, it might be called life force or life energy. And again, they refer to this yin and yang that they say flows through these meridians. A meridian is like a, it, it's not a circle, not a perfect circle, but it goes like an oval at least, or an ellipse. It goes out into the, into the universe, comes into your body at one point, and goes out from your body at another point, they say. And, yeah, I guess I have it written here for you. And the yin is negative, the yang is positive. So that's how I try, they try to balance this out, they say. Because, yeah, when they're balanced, then you're in good health, that kind of thing. And so these needles or massage, the acupressure is when you just use your finger or something to press on that point to try and block or unblock the energy flow through that point, okay? And they might even use herbs or some other medium besides needles or pressure to do the same thing. And I'll refer to some of those. Uh, lunch is going to be a little bit late the way it looks, if that's all right. Um, so, okay, I should tell you that there's the meridians come out at about 800 points on your body. And you can get maps, or they have maps that show where these 800 points are on your body. And maybe you're saying, well, why are you telling me all this? I don't get into that. Well, it's right down the road. <clears throat> It's all around us, believe it or not. It's in the United States, hard and heavy. Um, and it's getting more and more accepted all the time. And so you're going to be, you know, I don't know what you've gotten into so far, but that can be the, uh, be the case. <clears throat> well, let me give you a quick quote here that would talk about the Chinese herbs that represent a way of thinking that has to do with this very same thing. Uh, Dean Black in his booklet, Essentials of Chinese Herbs, and this promotes oriental herbs. He says this, if we see the herbs merely as sources of new medical drugs, we have missed the point. Chinese herbs represent a way of thinking, a systematic view of the world and how it works. The way of thinking can't be separated from the herbs themselves. In fact, if we want to take advantage of the herbs, we must begin by looking at the worldview behind them. Herbal combinations were put together by Taoist priests, that's T-A-O-I-S-T, priests, thousands of years ago, not for their medicinal value, but for controlling the flow of spiritual energy from their gods in their attempt for immortality, to live forever. So if you understand what I'm trying to say, just in a few words, some of these herbs represent a way of thinking to try and save your soul and make you eternal. Nothing to do with God. It's all for man trying to heal himself. So that's why I say be careful what you imbibe, you know, when you buy things. This next one will point some of that out, and that's homeopathy, which uses some of these things. It's very strange. 
as some of you might know. Samuel Hahnemann is the one that founded homeopathy. He was a German physician in the 18th century. He thought it was just a tremendous finding. He believed that the body had a vital force, again, this energy that controlled the order of the body and its defenses against disease. And if this was disturbed, then you would get sick. And so he, he realized, too, that the body would tend to heal itself. And there's that, I've already told you that. You know that. The body tends to heal itself. Um, and so he decided that you take these symptoms that, that you might have in your body when you're sick, for example, a fever, or let's say an upset stomach, or a pain somewhere. Um, and he realized that that was the body trying to fight disease, and it is to a certain degree. But he decided that instead of trying to suppress these symptoms, which most doctors would have done, you know, and you do too, when somebody has 105 fever, you, you give them Tylenol or something, to, or at least sponge them down or do something to bring the fever down some so they don't get brain damage. Well, anyway, he said that if we make the symptoms a little worse, then it'll help the body to heal itself. And so he, he concocted things that um, would, okay, you have a stomachache, so I'll give you something that makes your stomachache worse. You know, so it, well, obviously his patients weren't too impressed with that because they got sicker and vomited more or whatever. Uh, they, they just weren't too happy. <clears throat> and so he thought, well, okay, it's too strong. And so he diluted his potions, uh, like one to 100. He'd use things like evergreen needles, snake venom, cuttlefish ink, which I know we don't use nowadays, but nowadays they use other things. And then he thought that if he mixed this up, one to 100, and shook it real hard, that he would make it a better medicine or a stronger medicine. He called that succussion. I don't have that word written up here. And then he called it, if it was one to 100, times one to 100, that would be 2C. You know, the Roman numeral C stands for 100. So one to 100 times one to 100, you know, you, you dilute it two times, that'd be one to 10,000. That'd be labeled 2C, all right? But then what he thought was that the more he diluted it and succussed it, the stronger it became, which is, if you have an analytical mind, you know that that's exactly opposite of logical thinking, right? And if you think about it, the more you dilute something, the less there is of the active ingredient in there, and it's mostly just solvent. You know, solvent would be the water or the alcohol, and you put a little, uh, little herb or something in there to start with and you get to beyond 12C, you know, that's 1 to 100 times 12, it, it's just going to be solvent. I mean, it's just alcohol. It's not, there's none of the original in there. I always give the idea that, you know, you go to the Pacific Ocean, and you spit into the ocean one day, and the next day you come back and take a scoop. You expect to get some of what you put in there? No, of course not. You're not going to get any of that. But he says that the more... The, the, the more diluted it is and potentized by shaking it, the stronger it was. And so he would say that, like, for an emergency situation, you should use something 12C or even 30C. Well, it doesn't make any sense. Strange, strange statements. <clears throat> How does he explain this? Here's a quote from the complete book of homeopathy. It says, for the purpose of a general definition of homeopathy, it is sufficient to say that high-potency preparations are in an order of dilution unheard of in orthodox medical practice and are believed by homeopaths to work on a deeper level than the physiological sphere of ordinary drugs. And I agree. It's not physiological. 
at all. It just isn't. And he thought that this dilution and succussion actually released a spirit-like power that uh, could then work on the spirit vital force in man and do some healing. Well, the complete book of homeopathy also says, indeed, homeopathy is so far reaching that its universal use in medicine would mean great progress toward the millennium, the thousand year reign of Christ. As homeopathy has to do not only with the physical but the spiritual development in man and the homeopathic, the homeopathic remedy actually saves souls in this way. Now, isn't that a preposterous statement? that salvation could come from taking this medicine? Any red flags in your mind? To me, throw it out. It's, it's from the evil one. Um, let me read one more. He goes on and says, it assists in destroying the evils of, by creating harmony of the physical organs and thus promoting a pure vehicle for intellect and spirit to function. Homeopathy helps to open the higher centers for spiritual and celestial influx it is the only scientific system of medicine, but, it's not, but it is too difficult to master without intensive training. I don't know why you need all the training, but it's, it's ridiculous. They're trying to say that you can atone for your sins by using this, and it's, it's just, uh, well, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Enough on homeopathy. But I still have people that come to my office, and they show me this bottle of stuff they're taking, and it's homeopathic. Oh. Anyway, I tell them that, throw that stuff away. Okay, applied kinesiology. It's another thing that people do. Muscle testing is what it is. And it's used to, te to test supposed effectiveness of a medicine or a potion of some kind. It's similar to using the Ouija board, in my opinion. If you ever heard of the Ouija board, I don't hear of it much these days, and that's fine with me, but I remember... Back in my growing up years, people were do, using that. <clears throat> they would ask questions and it would tell them things. Well, it was from, it was occultic, it was from the devil. Well, this is similar to this. Uh, the practitioner of it would take like a, yeah, a potion of something and put it in his hand. Okay, he puts it in the hand of the person that's gonna receive it. And the practitioner pushes down on their arm to, to see if, if it's strong or if it's weak. If it's strong, you know, can't push it down, then that's the right thing. If it's weak, well, then that's not good. Let's try something else. So you keep testing until you get one that, that's strong. Um, does that make sense to all of you? No. How is this, is this pen good for me? Uh, I guess it's good. Um, how is it going to come from this pen to my brain and back out to my muscles to tell it to be weak or strong? You know, we're talking about a pill. It's still in a pill. It's not dissolved or anything like that. It doesn't matter if it would be dissolved either. It, it makes no sense at all. <clears throat> and yet people believe in that. And they do it. And I think, yeah, there's more things we could tell you about that, but I think that's just use your brain a little bit. You can see what's wrong with that one. Uh, iridology, that's when you look, when a practitioner looks into your, the iris of your eye that's the colored part, you know, blue, brown, gray, whatever color your eyes are. You look into that and makes the diagnosis by looking at this iris. Um, it's almost humorous how this started. <clears throat> there was this, this uh, I think it was a chiropractor, Dr. Bernard Jensen was his name, that um, saw a bird, I think it was an owl, that had a broken leg 
And he noticed on the owls, you know how big the eyes are of owls. He noticed on one of the irises of the owl that there's a spot there. And so he just put two and two together and thought that spot must, come, must have come because of the broken leg. And so he kind of went from there, you know, started associating different parts of the iris to different parts of the body and came up with a whole system. And now they, if you go to an iridologist, they would, they would have a big chart on the wall of an iris with two concentric circles going through the iris. You get the picture, so it looks like three circles inside each other. And then radial spokes going out 60 of them so that it makes 60 times three layers, 180, makes 180 little squares all around in this iris. And each square is to correspond to something in your body. So I have people coming in and, and ask me, uh, or telling me, I mean, that, you know, I've got thyroid problems. Uh, could you check out, or could you help me with my thyroid problems? And I go, how do you know I have thyroid problems? Well, he looked in my eye and he said, you have thyroid problems, or I have gallbladder problems, or liver. I like the liver one, because I always wonder how the liver talks to you about what's wrong in there, because your liver has no sensory fibers at all, and it's different than your stomach, which can hurt if it's irritated. But um, I've done tests on all those people that I can remember, and I still have one, I still have to find one that there actually was something wrong with that thing that he said. So, so far, in my opinion, the, the iridologist in the community is, is, is batting about zero, you know, for, as far as correlating with what I could find. Uh, to me, if it works, it's, well, okay, let me tell you a little bit about, about Bernard Jensen. He was known for his New Age healing practices in association with dangers such as reincarnation. Everybody know what reincarnation is? That's how they do in India, where they think their grandmother is the rat, so you don't kill the rat, you don't kill the cow, because it could be your grandmother or your mother that came back reincarnated, you know, new, new flesh. So he believed in that kind of thing. And psychic development, he believed in this correlation between astrology and iridology. Astrology is, you look at the stars or the heavens, and, you know, you, you have the signs of the zodiac. You've probably heard of that, the Gemini and the different things. Okay, which is not for the Christian. That's occultic, okay? Don't even look at those things in the paper. Anyway, he said, iridology is effective only through faith in the intuitive or psychic powers. Whenever, whenever you hear psychic, that's not a good, that's not something we want to be involved with. That's talking about occultic, you know, mystical things. <clears throat> Ephesians 5.11 says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So, you're wasting your time if you go to an iridologist and maybe getting yourself into things you don't want to be. I don't think they know what they're doing. If it works, it's from the other source and you could be missing something bad. Okay, what about reflexology? This assumes connections from your hands or your feet to distal parts of the body. So it's a little bit like iridology, I guess. Uh, they have maps of your feet, you know, which this corresponds to that's part of your, your body. And so they press on this, you know, certain place, and, oh, you have a gallbladder problem. Oh, you have something else. Well, because <clears throat> it hurts a little bit there. It, th there's no connection. Yeah, I know your feet are attached to your body, but there's, there's no uh, nerve connection or other channel that, that we know physiologically that connects from the bottom of your foot to, let's say, your, your voice box or your ear or something like that. Now, I realize that Yes, you, you stub your toe, 
and your brain tells you that it hurts. You know, that, there is that kind of a connection, true. But it's not like you're gonna put a, you're gonna press on some place on your foot and it's gonna heal your hearing problem or something. It, it just doesn't, there's no connection that way. There's no neurological pathways. There's all kinds of things, and th this is what they would say. Reflex zone therapy, this is, uh, well, there's a number of things. I'll, I'll quote a few things here. It should be plain that the reflexology works with subtle energy flows revitalizing the body so that the natural internal healing mechanisms of the body can do their own work. A reflexologist is a channel of healing or a medium for the spirit. The laying on of hands and the pressure applied to the feet create the channels for healing energy to circulate to all parts of the body. So they're talking about this energy thing, see? Another quote from Reflex Zone Therapy says, this energy stream is not physiological, so they're right there, they're admitting it, but it is perceptible in the tissues as energy fullness or energy deficiency or an energy absence. Um, and I always need to say this next one because it's another good reason to avoid going to reflexologist. It says, when two people come together for the benefit of one or the other, the reflexologist or the patient, the energy circuit they create is profoundly enriching to both on physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual levels. They, the work itself helps the one who gives as well as the one who receives. That's right in their book. So what about a man that's treating a woman? What, is, what about a man that's treating your wife or a woman that's treating your husband or your daughter or whoever? If it gives emotional benefits or spiritual benefits for both, it's not the right spiritual benefit. I think we should be staying far away, don't you? And one more thing. They say, clear your mind, center your attention before you begin. Breathe deeply, drawing in the healing energy of the universe. Make it your intention to be a channel of healing for the person you're working on, keeping in mind that it is not your own personal energy that passes into the feet you're holding. You're tapping into unlimited universal energy. That's occultic. The universal energy they're talking about is from Satan. It's occultic. And we're not to be involved in anything that's occultic. Yes, it's okay for a husband to treat his wife's feet, to massage them and make them feel good, or for her to treat him. That's fine. But don't expect that you're healing the gallbladder or anything else. One more area, and then we'll sum it up here. Psychic diagnosis and healing. Again, remember, psychic, red flags all over the place. It's information obtained without ordinary means and treated by a spiritistic power. It's information obtained without the usual methods of questioning, examination, or reproducible data. And, um, okay, examples of that. And, and there's a lot of different areas of this. Sorry, I'll leave this down for those that are writing. Uh, one area is radiesthesia. <clears throat> and things that would be included in that would be things like the pendulum or the black box. Uh, some of you might remember hearing about the black box or the pendulum. A pendulum, it's, I think you all know what a pendulum is too. It's like on a grandfather clock. It's the, the thing that swings back and forth as it keeps time. So there's nothing wrong with a pendulum and a grandfather clock. That's fine. But if you're going to use a pendulum to determine whether the medicine is for you or not, that's a different story. 
That's using occultism to try and determine. And I don't even know quite how they do it. They, they attach like a fingernail clipper or some heavy object or, you know, a little bit of a weight and swing this thing somehow and, and try and determine from that if this medicine or this potion or whatever it is is right for you or not. And they still do that in my community back in Ohio. I don't know how much they do it here, but um, a quick example. I, I still take care of a family occasionally. Years and years ago, they brought one of their children to the, to the doctor and he prescribed, he, thought, he said the child had pneumonia and he gave the appropriate antibiotic to, to help that child. They went home and they used the pendulum and they said the pendulum said to don't, don't use it. It doesn't agree with this child, so don't use it. So they didn't use that medicine. I don't know what all they did, but the child died. He didn't get better. And that kind of cured him of that using the pendulum, it seems, because they're more quick to come to the doctor and you know, get proper care taken. Uh, they learned the hard way. There's one other case where a mother had brought her sick child to the doctor. And he prescribed a medicine. The next day he came back, she came back with her child and said, the medicine doesn't agree with the child. And the doctor, it wasn't me, it was another Christian doctor. He, he was curious why it didn't agree. Did the child get a rash? No. Upset stomach? No. I mean, those are the things you would think of might, might be a problem. And then he got a little smarter. He said, did you give the medicine the child? Did you give the child the medicine? No. Well, then how did you know that medicine didn't agree? <clears throat> the mother said, well, we used a pendulum, and it didn't agree. And he told her that the pendulum was of the devil. It's demonic. And the mother, or something in the woman, started screaming, and she ran out of the office. And the doctor feels that he identified the demon or the evil occultic spirit that was doing this in this person. So it's using psychic diagnosis. The black box, that's another psychic diagnostic tool. Uh, this is where I'm saying don't use ordinary means for treatment or for diagnosis. Uh, with a black box, they said, you just give me your picture, and you might be clear in another state, but if they put your picture in the box, then they can tell what's wrong with you, even though you're far, far away. That makes sense to everybody? No. See, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, if, it's, if it works, it's psychic diagnosis. It's from the wrong source. And so you do not want to be involved in that. Of course, this black box did all kinds of things like um, you could even keep the weeds out of your cornfield if you put the black box and put some pipes out from it. And some people were involved in that for a while until it got, you know, churches didn't allow it because they saw where it was coming from. Well, another thing that's still going on in my community is this thing of drawing pain laying hands on a person to draw pain out of their body. And that is not, again, it's not right. <clears throat> um, drawing pain. I once delivered a, I delivered a number of babies, but uh, one, one that, this one particular one that didn't have any, it was born with a defect, didn't have any intestines, so they knew it wasn't gonna live because it just, it had a stomach and then it just ended right there. So all they could do was just, you know, give it some water and things like that because it couldn't even digest the food. <clears throat> and so they took it home to wait until it died, which is sad. 
but um, I, I did give a little bit of medicine, hoping that some Tylenol or something, so that, hoping that that might help some with pain, you know, at least absorb through the stomach or the first part of the bowel that was there. And then later I asked the lady uh, how it was or how it went, you know, after the, as the child died, and she said, well, it helped because we only had to have two people drawing pain from the baby, you know, when we gave the medicine instead of, you know, half a dozen drawing pain at the same time. <sighs> but that's what I deal with, people that are into this thing. Okay, powwowing is the last one, I think. Um, it's, it's also a ceremony or a ritual accompanied by magic performed for the cure of disease. Uh, it's from way back, back in 1624. Dr. Winslow wrote in the New England Journal saying, the office and duty of the Powell, the one that does powwowing, is to be exercised principally in calling up the devil and curing diseases of the sick and the wounded. So they knew that they were calling up the devil to try and do this healing. So it's clear it's from the devil. It's occultic. And unfortunately, it's in some of our plain communities because I think it was passed on down through the generations as something that they thought would be okay to do. So it's, yeah, it's a ritual accompanied by magic for the cure of diseases. Okay, I'm going I'm to skip now to conclusion. I'll leave that there. Got away. I'm kind of, yeah, I'm just going to talk about this for a minute. And that is the consequences of the sins of abominations. There are a lot of consequences. And if you read in this, this book here, he just lines up pages of consequences uh, that can come to a person, and they're mostly spiritual. Well, they're also, they're also emotional and, and, and physical. Um, he, one of the things that he lists is a tenacious unbelief or an inability to believe and rebellion and inward resistance to God's word. And I definitely have noticed that. Remember the time I said I went to this dark room and tried to talk to this person that, that was into it and... You know, he wouldn't respond either. That was the kind of feeling I got. He, he was convinced that what he was doing was right, and it didn't matter what anybody else said. He wasn't going to listen to what the Bible said, and yet he claimed to be a Christian, you know, those kind of things. So it hardens your heart toward God is what can happen. And, and the judgments that um, are going to come upon them, in, in spite of the fact that you try very hard to try and change them, that's what can happen. All right. That's one, just one area. Okay, let's look at, at the things. I'm just going to read some scriptures real fast, what the Bible says about this, some more things that it says. In Deuteronomy 8, 9 through 12, it says, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abomination of these nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. That's offering the son or daughter to the God. They would be burned to death when, when they would do that or useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. A necromancer is somebody that communicates with the dead. 
For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. I know that was Old Testament, but it's same now. They're abomination today as well. That's one thing that God said. In Revelation 21.8, it says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and warmongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Serious. Serious business. In Matthew 24, 24, it says, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. You know, it might sound good, might look good, might appear fine, but deception, beware of deception that can come from that. And again in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15, For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves in the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing of his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Again, a warning for us, what's going to happen if we are not doing the right thing, if we're involved in these things. And 1 John 4, 1 through 3, it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know you the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Antichrists are here now. Maybe not the Antichrist that might be coming. But the spirit of Antichrist has been here ever since Christ came. They're against Christ, and they're trying to deceive people and get them to do things that are, that are wrong. So what should, you, what should be your response? If you happen to be involved in this, you're, you're, um, yeah, you're involved in it or you've, you've done things in the past, what should be your response? Well, number one, always to get help, you have to realize that you need help. And so you have to acknowledge that you did wrong. You need to admit that it is sin. Whatever you were doing that was, that was, from, uh, you were doing that was from the wrong source, you were involved in that was from the wrong source, from Satan. So you have to acknowledge you're wrong. 1 John 1, 9, you all know that verse. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to renounce it. Uh, this kind of, like I said, the consequences of this, it can be very binding. So sometimes you can't just confess it and it's gone. You have to renounce it or you might have to have someone uh, come and help you. You might have to seek help. <clears throat> James 4.7 uh, says, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. First of all, you have to submit yourself to God so that you have God on your side. Then when you resist the devil, he's going to have to flee. And the last thing is we need to get rid of occultic devices or preparations. You remember the Apostle Paul, Acts 19, he preached, and the people were convicted, and they brought all kinds of occultic books, and they built this big bonfire and burned them all up. You can read about that in Acts 19. So this kind of thing was going on back in Paul's day, and it's still going on today. So it's relevant for us today that we 
we uh, be aware of these things and stay away from them. Again, 1 Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. And I like the holistic healer, God. It says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of Christ. I love that verse because that's true. That's the kind of holistic healing we want from God. He'll, he'll, he'll heal your whole body, and he's going to be faithful. He will also do it. May God bless you as you discern what is right and wrong, and may you make applications accordingly. We'll turn the back, time back over to your local people here.